If you want to invest in the downside of the internet, you should buy Honey Badger. It's like the podcast version of the movie Hackers, but far less realistic. You're listening to Founder Quest. Did y'all buy any uh, GameStop this week? I thought about <laughs> it yesterday while Robinhood was not allowing buy orders or whatever, because my brokerage oh. doesn't shut you out. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it, it probably would have been a pretty safe, safe bet given the stock today, but I don't do that kind of shit. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. It's like, I, I, I want to just for funsies, but at the, other, the same time, it's like, ah, that's really not a productive use of my time or money. So yeah, I, yeah. I deleted Rob, the Robinhood app after I tried it out just because you got to see what the kids are up to these days. And right. I, like the last straw with it was like when they added this like crypto trading interface that looked like a Tron, like some kind of arcade game. Like I was just like, this is <laughs> like, yeah, I don't need like a light cycle to, to buy cryptocurrency. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little bit weird. My brother was like, hey, do you like do stocks or crypto? And I'm like, well, I have got mutual funds, but also like you don't have any money. Like, this, is, this is how like, you know that the market's about to just like evaporate. <laughs> when your when yeah, your brother asks you like if you trade that's what stocks I've been saying, or crypto. Though, for the past I for the past decade I've just been like you know <laughs> this is you know the last straw you know global pandemic thirty percent unemployment yeah last straw market's gonna tank this I guess is, not this is kind of this is kind of new the yeah they just people won't let it fail so you know it's just uh yeah like total or whatever the meme is the new is like the new uh just thing to live by in general, I think. Like just, just hold always, just hold, like, just, just never just let go, hold. never let go, whatever never. it is, never let go. Diamond hands. Yeah. <laughs> Explain the diamond hands thing to me. I don't understand that. Okay, I saw like, it, but. You have, to, you have to check out Amy Hoy's Twitter thread where she went and did a sales safari on Wall Street Bets. So, you know, sales safari is, is her and Alex Hillman's process where you go and discover, you basically research a community and you find out what, what the needs are, right? And so you can use that to help formulate some ideas for businesses or products that you might want to create. Instead of like coming up with an idea and saying, hey, I wonder if someone will buy this, you actually go and look for people who are looking for things and you're like, oh yeah, I could, I could satisfy that need. That doesn't okay. make any sense. So that's, that's sales safari. And so she, she does this kind of just like for funsies, right? So she went on, on Wall Street bets. and like, I'm gonna do a sales safari and find out what, what's this community all about. And so she just has this analysis on Twitter. It's great thread, we'll put it in the show notes. But basically she went and like analyzed, you know, what their catchphrases are and, and what the, you know, what they're doing in there basically. And, and diamond hands and paper hands are two of the phrases that, are, that show up in there repeatedly. And so it's, if you're not familiar with the whole Reddit thing, which I mean, you must be by now if you're on the internet, but like, it's all about buying GameStop stock and watching it go up and up and up and putting the squeeze on short sellers who are just panicking because everyone's buying this stock and making it go up. Right. Which is hilarious. So, so they're all encouraging each other inside of Wall Street bets. They're all like, Hey, you got to hold on. You got to buy and hold, you know, you can't sell. So diamond hands is someone who's holding on strong and paper hands is someone who's chickening out and they're going to sell. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm a, so I, I'm a paper hands. I have this? paper hands. Yeah. <laughs> cause you, cause you know what this, um, you know what this really resembles to me? It kind of resembles a Ponzi scheme. That, <laughs> yes. 
No, that's just, that's, that's it. That's the thing. Yeah. (laughs) It just kind of resembles a Ponzi scheme. (laughs) For the stock price to keep going up, more and more people have to be coming, keep coming in and um, buying at the higher price. Yeah. And then eventually there's not going to be any more people. And then the price is going to collapse. And whoever came in last is going to be left holding a bunch of worthless stock. So, so Matt Levine had a great article this week. Actually, he's done multiple on this whole thing. Again, put it in the show notes. So Matt Levine writes an economics column. But so he talked about the Wall Street bets and he was addressing your point exactly about like, why would you buy now? Like, because you're basically counting on someone who is, you know, dumb to come in and buy at some point later, right? The total Ponzi scheme. But he also provides some alternative exit strategies as opposed to just depending on someone coming in who's dumber buying the thing. So We'll post it, but like it's it's a good read. I can't do it justice, uh, just to paraphrase it. So I'll link it, and uh, you can read it. And it's kind yeah, of I'll have to check that out. We'll put yeah. it in the show notes. That said, I wouldn't well, recommend actually buying GameStop. It right does. Now. It does oh, seem no, no, no. just like in general that the world, <laughs> like society, like be a week. society is like rewarding true believers of all of all kinds right now. So it just seems to be a thing. Yeah, it it does feel eerily similar to conspiracy theorists, conspiracy theorists, populist politics, and just just hold on, no matter what, you know, no matter what reality uh, is, just hold on, and you will win. Believe, yep, yep. One thing that um, I do kind of enjoy about this is that, like, I've seen a number of people in my Twitter, um, my Twitter feed that are essentially like, I, they're like, I bought GameStop stock, I'm holding it. I know I'm going to lose this money. I'm doing it specifically to hurt rich people. <laughs> I real, I just really want to stick it to the hedge fund. So I'm going to put a thousand dollars in a GameStop yeah, stock and it, just it's, hold it. It's, it seems to me like just another populist revolt. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a Boston Tea Party type situation, yeah. I think. Only it's kind of weird because it's like it involves people sort of staking their money. Oh, it's this really weird abstract. Well, it's super cyberpunky. Like I, I could totally, I could totally see all this happening in a William Gibson novel. Yeah, totally. No, this, yeah. this it, it strikes you as like a Boston Tea Party, but like a real one instead of like the the ones that people like act out on the steps of <laughs> capitals instead around of the LARP. country. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the Tea Party has like connotations now, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh. Instead of a LARP, it's, it's like it's, it's IRL. Yeah, it's IRL. Like yeah. like the the IRL tea party in the 21st century would happen on the internet in in the world of, fin- uh, of, of finance. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. My only concern is like I get that whole the ethos of yeah, let's stick it to the man and those those evil capitalists and hedge fund managers. Well, the problem is like you know pensions and retirement funds and you know <laughs> those kinds of things invest in those hedge funds hushman so, hushman we don't think about that we don't like, think about that ben if you destroy them that could affect me <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true that's true no anarchy yeah, works that's 100% why of the time <laughs> that's why kind of like i part of me loves to see the chaos unfold but like just at a small scale <laughs> <laughs> like not at a like large enough scale where it just sort of jeopardizes you know my holdings <laughs> right right my like um vanguard total index fund holdings <laughs> exactly yeah uh matt's article he talked about the potential for gamestop to actually enter the s&p 500 because its market cap is now so large <laughs> and he's, that's amazing and, and, and he's like not really because there's other things not just market cap but oh it, yeah it's, it's funny to think like can you imagine like index funds having to buy GameStop because it got put into the S&P and they cover the S&P, yeah. you know? 
this seems like the kind of thing like that they've been doing with like like crypto traders have been doing for yeah. a while now like on telegram yeah. channels and stuff where they get like a bunch of i forget what do they call that like the the operations that they run basically to pump the like i'm pump, pump and, and dump, dump schemes but yeah. yeah yeah like it seems like that on a mass scale and like it's it's like broken through into reality now and i could see it yeah. continuing in the future unless it's you know i guess that's why they're talking about regulation but i blame the pandemic you know, because people just got used to like going to the store and buying out all the toilet paper and said like, hey, let's just go buy all the GameStop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. So a couple of things, like, first of all, yes. Like, I think that like, we've seen a lot of things emerge that are just a result of people just being kind of stuck at home with nothing to do. And so like this, you've got like all the conspiracy theory stuff happening. The other thing I just wanted to say is just so like, I really hope that there are some like, you know, people who really just work at GameStop. They love GameStop. So they've been like, I'm just going to invest, you know, my meager savings into some GameStop stock, you know, and because I really believe in the mission of this company. And then just like suddenly they're rich. Like, I really hope that has happened yeah. to at least one person. Totally. Yeah. 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 Uh, so many, many years ago, my, my wife worked for a company where they, they granted uh, stock as part of their compensation, like to, to every employee, like, hey, here's a little bit of stock, you know, because yay, we're awesome, right? And uh, we, we we sold that many, many, many years ago. But yeah, that could totally happen, like where you're that GameStop employee who just happened to get some stock because your company is generous like that. And now you're sitting on a ton of cash. Like, I'd be like, sell, sell, sell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I'm being honest, though, it does make me want to like have a little brokerage account just so I can, <laughs> I mean, I know this is completely irrational. This is totally a lottery thing. It's yeah. kind of like when I heard that like the mega millions was up to a billion dollars. I was like, I should go buy a lottery ticket, even though I've <laughs> never in my life bought a lottery ticket. It's just, it's, yeah, it's that strange, yeah, that strange irrational thing, but I don't know. Yeah, I just want to participate in the zeitgeist. Yeah, yeah there we go. To be part of the, the thing, right? I was there. I, I bought GameStop. You experience. Yeah. 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 I did not pull a trigger. I don't think I will pull a trigger. I think I'm just going to sit back and watch from the, from the comfort of my couch. And yeah, I mean, it just, it, I don't know why you would at this point, like in that, like this, it seems like it's, it's at the point where all the suckers pull the trigger, <laughs> but who knows, you know, I mean, who knows <laughs> reality yeah, has been week. defied like week after week for the last <laughs> Right. How many right. weeks? Next, <laughs> when we record next week, we might be kicking ourselves for not having bought GameStop at 300, right? Like, oh uh, man, if we only knew. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> the thing that, I don't know, one, one last thing that interests me about this is just like, I didn't even realize this until a couple of days into this whole saga, but it's like these people, like this isn't like an accident. These people basically, you know, the Redditors and everything, they have developed a process now for like, going in and really messing with hedge funds who have big short positions in companies. So it's like, any, as far as I know, like, you know, unless something changes about the environment, like there's nothing to stop this from happening from other yeah. huge short positions, which seems like a pretty big oversight on the part of hedge funds. For one thing, I, it seems like you would be like, I don't know, it, just, it seems like something that they should have thought of. People could literally just buy a bunch of stock and put us out of business just because they wanted to. I don't know. It's weird. It's got a very, uh, yeah. um, 
like barbarians from England going yeah. and invading Rome. It, it seems feel. like that's a common thing that like the the ruling the ruling class overlooks is the people, <laughs> the people rising up to overthrow <laughs> them. <laughs> well, and and in a in a business perspective, like you know, Clayton Christensen's uh, disrupt, theory of disruption, right? Like incumbents will be disrupted and you really there's not anything they can do about it even if they can think oh yeah we we could be disrupted but like their business depends on what they're doing now and if they were to really pursue you know try to avoid being disrupted by disrupting themselves then they would destroy their own business right and and they just they can't they can't win on that and so i think that's kind of like what the hedge funds are like they're pretty locked into their mode of business and like they just had the blinders on i'm like i don't know i no one's got all these people out there like who are actually buying stock on you know, oh but, my gosh uh, i just had disrupted i just had a really scary idea so our business honey badger is kind of like a hedge fund of in the tech industry right most tech companies lose money when their error rates go up but we make money when their error rates go up hmm. so i just really hope they don't like come after us so we're, well, we're actually a hedge then on the internet right yeah <laughs> if you want to invest in the downside of the internet, you should buy Honey Badger. There you go. Yeah. yeah that, that is if Can that have, be our new if, like, if we tagline? Have <laughs> <laughs> like, we're the, we're the CEOs of web developers. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can we get your credit swaps right over here? Oh uh, yeah. It'll be a yeah. fun book anyway. It'll be a fun book, you know, next year or whatever when someone writes the story. Right. Of, yeah. I'll read the books instead of all the yeah. blog posts, probably. Yeah. You know, we've been having our conclave this week and it's been, it's been fantastic. And one of the things that we have talked about is like hiring. Well, I was listening to the Art of Pod- Product podcast yesterday, the episode that dropped yesterday. And uh, Ben was on the Adam Wathens podcast, which I can't remember the name of right now. Oh, I'm, I'm terrible. Anyway, they had a, a particular ec- episode where the two of them recorded about tips for people who are looking to get hired. And they recommended, Ben mentioned in the Art of Product podcast, uh, that one of the things they talked about was you should, you know, reach out to owners of small businesses and say, hey, here's what I can do for you, right? Yeah. Instead of just like, hey, I want, I want a job. Like, hey, here's a, here's a pitch. Here's a proposal. Like, here's... I like it when people do that. Yeah. yeah, totally. When I heard that yesterday, I thought, I got to talk about that today because I just wanted to like echo that and, and, and boost that message. Like, because when we've had people do that, that's been awesome. When you're just like, oh, give me something. <laughs> it's like, well, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little strange. I would expand on that to say that even if you're applying for a position, tell the people who are hiring you like what you're going to do for them. Even if it's just um, repeating back what they told you in the job description. And all the, all the candidates that we interviewed, like there was really a big difference between the people who were just sort of like, yeah, like I am a technical expert. I have all these technical credentials. Like I know all this technical stuff. It's like, okay, that's great. You know, you obviously know this versus the people who are like, okay, like I understand the situation you're in and the sort of things you need. And, you know, I've done that before. And, you know, I, here's how I can do it for you in the future. It's just much more appealing because otherwise, we have to do that work and we have to be like, okay, well, this guy has some technical credentials and, but like, how could that fit into what we're doing and stuff versus like, Ooh, what's this? It's somebody like gift wrapped this nice little package. And look, there's, there's like a little thing of, uh, of bonbons attached to it. It's, you know, it's a complete different experience from this side of the table. 
For sure. Yeah. You, you don't want to make the hiring person do work, <laughs> right? You want to do all the work for them. Yeah. I would go so far to say it's like in any writing endeavor, because like hiring until you get to the, the interviews, hiring is kind of a writing process. It's communication via writing and resumes and cover letters. In any writing process, you don't want to have people do work, which is like literally about like a lot of my job editing the blog, what I end up doing is making the authors kind of like fill in some the missing steps so that people don't have to come up with links themselves in their own minds. Yeah. Connecting the dots is useful. Like whether yeah. you're writing or pitching something. Yeah. So are we going to, how many people are we going to hire? Like 10, 20? At least. Yeah. Okay. Now what we do, we do want to hire someone. And I think that someone is going to be a contractor that knows PHP. I think that's the next, the next hire we want to do because we need some, we need some help there. Like we've, we've hit a couple of like sharp corners when it comes to our PHP support and it'd just be nice to get them resolved. So I think we could probably throw a pretty good sized project at someone who knows PHP well. So if you're listening right now and if you want to do some PHP work for Honey Badger, you're welcome to reach out to us and tell us just how awesome you are and what you're going to do for us to make our PHP support better. <laughs> there you go. PHP in general or PHP Laravel? Laravel in particular, yeah, but, yeah. but PHP in general, yeah. So yeah, that was one thing we talked about. We also talked about sort of trying out a little bit of a different approach where we are sort of like throw more small jobs to, to freelancers and contractors and essentially have kind of a pool of people. And it's, it was kind of interesting because this idea came up sort of on its own. And then we were like, wait a second, we're already kind of doing that with a blog. Like we've already kind of got this, we've got a pool of like authors who, you know, just go and, and do these little sort of self-contained jobs for us. I mean, those authors are probably not going to like being doing the code for us, but it's just like, it's interesting to see how like the processes for uh, managing those contractors might apply to managing contractors who are doing little sort of small self-contained projects for us. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if we can make that work out. You know, I think one of the concerns is just the overhead of you know, dealing with assigning workout to various people and making sure that someone's available and things like that. So, you know, I'm sure it's not going to be a cakewalk, but it'll be interesting to see uh, if we can make that work out. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like, I think that, um, like, there's going to be, you kind of have to take maybe a little bit of a different approach with it because it's almost like a, like you're doing less vetting for individual contractors because you can't do a huge interview process for somebody who's going to like do a one day project for you. It just doesn't make sense. It's more like open source. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like you almost kind of have to be willing to like assign the same things to multiple people, you know, or maybe, you know, just, you know, maybe you expect to sign it to like two or three people before you finally get one that is decent. And then of course, like you sort of hone in on the people who are good, but I don't know. It's just kind of a, it's a different, it's a different approach to putting work out to contractors. I think it might be interesting. I don't know. You know, we could do something really crazy and we could just shotgun it, right? We can be like, okay, we get five developers to come and do the same task for us. We pay each of them, of course. And then we pick whichever solution we like the best, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's crossed my mind, to be honest. Yeah. It just, uh, I guess it just depends on like how much money we have. <laughs> and then the other thing we talked about is that like there's actually, like we could actually be getting a little bit 
of extra value out of our, our blog authors because it's like, what is, what is a blog post except for like, it's information that somebody's researched and it's providing to readers on a silver platter. It occurred to us that like, well, we've got the system for, you know, creating that. Well, like, what if we just like need to know something for our own business purposes <laughs> about, you know, a certain technology? It's like, well, you yeah. could, you could send that out to an author and have them write a do your research for you. So then you don't have to like do that like work yourself. It's just, I, there's all sorts of interesting things that I hadn't even considered of when uh, I hadn't even considered when I was um, building this, but I don't know. It might just be really, really useful. It might it'd be interesting to see what happens at least. Definitely. Yeah. I don't really want to get in the business of being an agency, you know, and having <laughs> managing a bunch of uh, contractors and for clients. But I think it's really interesting, the idea of having a bunch of contractors that we have an ongoing relationship with that we can send work to, you know, just for us. So like, we're the only client. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to worry about like, uh, you know, someone being on the bench, because that's not really costing us something because they're contractors. But I just like the idea of trying, trying that and having some more flexibility. Because we've we depend a lot on contractors so far to do our libraries in particular areas that we are weak. And they've been great. And we love working with them. But sometimes they're just not available. They have jobs, you know, right? or they go on vacation for six months or, or whatever. And so I think just increasing the number of people that we have relationships with, like we've done with the authors, I think will help us mm -hmm. in that. So what are we looking for in addition to PHP? It's, PHP isn't all we do. I'm, I need JavaScript people. That's, that's my biggest need right now, to be honest. Um, like front end or back end? Both. We've got, you know, our universal JavaScript client package now that supports both simultaneously. So yeah. this is, this is kind of, it's all of this work we're talking about is basically open source, like working on open source packages. Like most of the repos are public for the most part. So like it's essentially getting paid to do open source, like work on open source projects. Most of the code is, you know, MIT licensed even. And so it's just, uh, we really want the work done. So we're going to, we're going to pay people rather than wait for the, wait for someone to show up and just, and just do it. So yeah, like we've got yeah, PHP, JavaScript, um, Python is another one that comes up fairly frequently. Java, not so much, but whenever it does come up, it costs us like the most. <laughs> yeah. So where, where, I guess, where should people send their info if they want to, uh, if they want to get in touch about working for us? Maybe it should be jobs at honeybadger.io. We'll set that up. That's a good idea. Sure. Jobs All right. at honeybadger.io. Jobs at, okay. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, other than thinking about all the Conclave stuff this week, which has been fun, I've had kind of a throwback week because launching our new Elasticsearch 7 cluster has been working out really well. But I decided that I wanted to change like the layout of the nodes. I just went a different way than I originally had. And so I had to blow away all the data. And so that means backfilling. <laughs> and I was at first kind of hesitant. I was like, oh, let me just leave it. So what if it's another month or two where we have to wait to cut over? And then I was like, no, but really, I really want a really good backfill script anyway, because sometimes we have to do backfills just as, a, you know, as part of our normal operations, like the cluster just decides to go away for a little while and we have to you know, fill in some data that we missed. So I was like, no, I should really just like make this a forcing function for me to really come up with a good backfill script that I like. And so I uh, worked on that this week and came up with a really fun, to me, a fun solution where basically, you know, we have all these documents that we need to index in our cluster and we, we put them on S3 
as a, a batches. So we may, maybe have a batch of like 100 or 200, whatever documents that need to be indexed. And we put them into Elasticsearch via the bulk indexing API. And so we have like going back for months, we have like many, many, many S3 payloads that each contain a couple hundred documents to be indexed. So for a backfill, all we got to do is like iterate all, over all the objects in the bucket and then push them into Elasticsearch. But of course, you know, you don't want to just do that onesie twosie, right? You want to actually have some parallelism involved. And so I basically wrote some code that just iterates over all the keys, dumps all the key names into SQS, and then we have a Lambda function that then, you know, works at SQS queue. So I mean, it's, it's straightforward. It's not like rocket science or anything, but it's the first time that I've done like something where we, I'm like throwing in a million SQS jobs all at once, right? And uh, yeah. so it's been kind of fun just to like, you know, we, we use Redis, we use Sidekick as our normal bash. And so you have to worry about, well, does Redis have enough RAM? And do we have a backlog that's too big, you know? And like SQS is like, oh, who cares? It, yeah. Just throw it in there. It'll it'll get done eventually. It's cool. <laughs> so so we now have a nice backfill script for doing our Elasticsearch cluster. And I've backfilled all the data for several weeks back now. So it's been, yeah. it's been fun. That's really fun. So like, it really is infinite? As far as I could tell. It's just raw power <laughs> at your fingertips. <laughs> okay. Because I, I think we're going to put Dynamo to the test uh, next, right? Well, yes. That's that's actually what I started working I on know. this morning was a backfill oh, yeah. script for Dynamo. Yeah. Yeah. The main holdup there, aside from money that you have to pay for the how many writes you want to do all at once, uh, is like getting millions and millions and millions of notices out of our Postgres cluster in a way that won't kill us. <laughs> so this is kind of a long-term project of ours to move our some of the error data from Postgres into DynamoDB. Right, right. Yeah, not that we, we don't love Postgres because we do love Postgres, but like we took a look and like 75% of our Postgres data is just error occurrences. It's like, well, maybe we could put that someplace else and be a little kinder to our Postgres instance. So that's, that's yeah. the motivation for- It's basically just a list. Dynamo. Too, like, because the the actual data yeah. is not there. It's just, yeah, right. It's just a list. Yeah, it's just pointers. So it's very simple. It's a great use case for Dynamo, which is again opposed, apparently infinitely scalable. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that'll that'll help us avoid some of those backlogs where we're worried about how much RAM we have in our Redis instance. <laughs> yeah, once you do that, then you're then the, the Postgres is just you've already got a Postgres that can handle like I guess. You'll be running at like 25% of the, the data that we used to have. So it's like you could scale that up by four times and right. you know that that would work, right? So exactly. yeah. basically you solve Postgres scaling for the foreseeable future. Right, right. So yeah, it's, it's felt like old times, like the early years of Honey Badger when we were, I was having to backfill stuff on a regular basis because of changing data stores or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's been kind of fun. All right. You have been listening to Founder Quest. Go give us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever. And if you want to write for us, um, go to honeybadger.io forward slash blog and there's a write for us link. If you would like to work on our, you know, open source projects for, you know, cold hard cash in your hands, just send an email to jobs at honeybadger.io and let us know what what. And until then, we will see you next week. Founder Quest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Honey Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360 degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. 
If you have a web app, you need it. Available at honeybadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to founderquestpodcast.com. That's one word, where you can access our huge back catalog of episodes. FounderQuest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week.